Tonight, I want to share some reflections on this teaching of emptiness. And the notion of emptiness, it's, it's probably one of the most central teachings found not only in, in Theravada Buddhism, but in later forms of Buddhism as well. And as I was reflecting on giving this talk and putting it together, I did have the thought of what the hell was I thinking <laughs> that I'm going to give a talk on emptiness in one night? <laughs> These thoughts arise, right? <laughs> and the reason I'm sharing that with you is one, just to be honest with you, but also just to point out there's so much depth and dimensionality to the teachings on emptiness. And they're quite varied, like, you know, this word or these words, empty and emptiness, they're used differently in different Buddhist traditions, and they're used differently in different contexts, just within, even just in the Pali Canon. And so I want to be clear, I'm, my intention is not to give you a comprehensive, clear introduction to emptiness, really my my hope and my intention is to offer a kind of framework to give you some initial taste an experiential taste of this territory of emptiness so it's just the initial steps and that's what the the talk is going to be tonight is really framing that offering you a framework and of course i'll come back to it as i have been in the mornings to tie things together and talk a little bit about how can i taste this more than how can I understand it, you know, in terms of some kind of like metaphysical or philosophical point. So my intention is to keep it sim simple and hopefully accessible, we'll see, in order to offer some kind of ta taste. So let's begin. What is, what is emptiness? What, what is empty? How do we understand this? And I, I think a great way to begin with uh, a simple definition of emptiness is to see it as an adjective rather than a noun. This can be super helpful. So one example, here is a cup. Can you see this cup? And you probably can't see this over the thing, but it's empty. Do you see that? There's nothing in there. Look at it. It's empty. It really is. And that's, that's all uh, we're saying. We're describing a characteristic of this cup that it's empty. And I want to be clear. It's not saying that nothing's here or the cup doesn't exist, it's just pointed out it's empty. And the important thing, especially what you find in early Buddhism, again, this changes a little bit, is to understand this adjective of empty in terms of the, the Buddha's teaching of suffering and the end of suffering. Remember, the, the Buddha was really interested in offering teachings that led to our freedom, to the heart's release. This was the purpose. He wasn't trying to put together a philosophical system. 
again, this does come, you have a little bit of this later on in Buddhism, but this is the thing that I find so powerful about the way he teaches is like, is this going to lead, is this going to lead to freedom or not? So it's in the service of ending or lessening, lessening stress and suffering. And we're going to come back to this because this is kind of the test piece here, the experiential test piece for you as, as we explore this. And I, I want to say, because I also want to set the stage for to talk about and understand this, these teachings and this practice around not self, which I'll talk about tomorrow night, because really these are intertwined. You know, for example, there's this quote um, where the Ananda, the Buddha's attendant, as uh, the Buddha, blessed one, they say that the world is empty. What does the saying, the world is empty, refer to? And then the Buddha responds to Ananda, and he says, Ananda, they say that the world is empty because it's empty of self or what belongs to a self. And I'm going to come back to that tomorrow night. It's a little teaser <laughs> for tomorrow night. <laughs> but but it's just uh, it's important to see this characteristic. So like we're beginning to see that the cup is, cup is empty. And what we're going to begin to notice is what it's empty of. And I'm going to give some different ways of understanding what it's empty of in a way that I hope is applicable in some way and, and, and practical. And just as a, a side note, one way of understanding this approach to emptiness or even the approach to not self is uh, the Buddha is offering different ways of perceiving experience that lead to freedom. So there, there's three classical ways of pre perceiving impermanence and reliability and not self that experience doesn't have not self. And later on in the tradition, these are seen as like, they're talked about as characteristics of reality. But it's interesting that in the Pali Canon, he uses the word sanya or perception around them. So he's not claiming, making claims about some external reality, but more about ways of perceiving that lead to my freedom. It was really quite important. And if you're interested in this also, in August, I'm going to be offering a study group looking at these three classical ways of perceiving and using this framework of ways of perceiving to get a deeper sense and using a uh, little bit of uh, Rob Berbea's book, uh, The Scene That Frees. So this is the question is, in what ways do we fail to see that an experience is empty? And as a result of that, we suffer. Like, what am I adding into the cup? What am I adding into experience that's making everything so stressful for me? You know, how am I assuming that the cup is full when it's actually not? And, and how does that lead to my stress? So a couple stories around this. I remember there was a, there was a woman at a weekend retreat of mine. And after the first day of the retreat, she, she described something I think was so powerful to hear about. She said, you know, well, I've been, what I noticed on this first day of retreat is that I've been so tired, so incredibly tired. And 
all I could think about was like how this is ruining my retreat. Like I have a, you know, I, I work a full-time job. I only got a weekend and I'm spending the first day of this weekend just tired and sleeping through it. Like this is ruining my retreat. And the sense, you know, of why am I here? And then judging herself about that, right? And then implications of like, it's ruining her, her weekend. And then there was a turn in her, in her practice where she's like, oh, I'm just tired. And that was the switch. And that was the realization that the cup is empty. Actually, it's just, it's just tiredness. And then she noticed her mind was filling it up with all kinds of reactivity, with all kinds of stories about what this tiredness meant. And once she could see that the tiredness was just tiredness, it was, it was empty of all those stories, there was something so freeing about that. It, it, it's just tired. It's, it's just kind of this, the, 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 the empty experience of a feeling. That's all it is. Or another example of this, maybe you can relate to this. Our, our minds can do this. Uh, many years ago, a, fr uh, a friend of mine, he hired one of his friends to create his website. A good friend of his, that's what he did for a job, really quite gifted at it, his friend. And this was a big deal. This was around my friend's business. And so they set things up and They set things up and there was a timeline on, on, this, uh, on this website. And after they set things up, he didn't hear back from his friend for like three weeks. And it did not land very well for my friend. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, one, it was stressful business-wise. Two, they had some relational stuff before this that wasn't so great. And so his mind was churning like, this guy's really, he's ghosting me. And he tried everything, calling him, sending the nice email. And eventually, I think he was um, maybe at a coffee shop and his friend walks into the coffee shop and luckily, he's a practitioner, so he thought, okay, I'm just going to be cool about this. And uh, says to his friend, you know, uh, hey, what's going on? I haven't heard from you. And then his friend had shared that uh, he had lost one of his parents, and there was a whole kind of chaos around it. And really, so, so much difficulty. And of course, my friend's heart so deeply softened. And it was in that instance, you could see, he could see the empty nature of, of what was going on. It was just, right, it was just that his friend was having a hard time. And yet he filled the situation up with all his own stories that he believed. It was empty of all those. But his, his mind had filled it up really with reactivity.
with fear, judgment. So hopefully you're hearing, I, I, I'm wanting you to get a feeling sense of what we're trying to do is to utilize this, this sense of emptiness in a way that can re lead to more relief, more, uh, uh, more freedom from suffering and stress. Because we fill experience with all kinds of notions and ideas. Like I can have the notion or idea, and, and sometimes we fill it with notions we know are kind of like, not very sound, but we do it like around our bodies. Have you ever filled this body with the idea that it's reliable or healthy? The body is empty of reliability. It's empty of lasting health. This is the, the characteristic of unreliability. We, we add something to it and it's, it's actually not there. It's actually empty of those things. And yet I suffer when I stuff that in there. The idea that the body is going to be permanent or reliable. Or have you noticed this sometimes around emotion? You know, you feel frustration or you have a pattern of feeling frustration or anger or fear. And sometimes, and we'll get this more uh, tomorrow night, what I often stuff in there is me, <laughs> right? I, I'm such an angry person. I'm such a fearful person. Well, I got some serious problems. It's different, isn't it? Have you had that sense of like, it's just fear arising and then it passes away. And, and once I claim it, once it, as the Buddha says, it, it, once it belongs to me, it's, it's like there's a, there's a kind of reactivity of, 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 of making something around that that causes this stress. I take it personally. That's what's going on. It's really what that perception of not self comes to is like, I'm beginning to take experience so personally. Stuffed, I stuffed me in there. And I'm, and then there's dukkha. I think this is this is the promise of really getting emptiness on an experiential level. And just like around the story with my friend, often what I find, and we're going to get into some uh, of the kind of dimensionality to this, is that it can lead to a kind of intimacy with experience when when I start to taste that experience is empty of the things that, that create stress and suffering. Because we do, we, we heap things onto experience. And sometimes there's a habit of that, of creating these worlds of suffering. It's like the 
story maybe you've heard me tell us i love this story you know the little girl goes to her mother and says mom i i want you to pretend that you're surrounded by a hundred hungry tigers the mother's a little surprised and she thinks, okay, I guess I could, uh, I'll pretend I'm surrounded by a hundred hungry tigers. And when you imagine, when you, you, when you pretend that you're, um, surrounded by a hundred hungry tigers, what would you do? The mother says, well, I don't know. What would you do? And the daughter said, I'd stop pretending. It can be really helpful. <laughs> and yet it can be said there's something so alluring about that, about what am I stuffing into the cup? How am I believing that this cup is filled with all this stuff when actually it's not? It's actually empty. There's no hungry tigers in there. I thought there was, but there isn't. And as I was saying, this can lead to a, a kind of intimacy like the the poem by jane hirschfield I, I just want to share with you just this first line she says only when i'm quiet for a long time and do not speak do the objects of my life draw near and maybe you experience this is that sometimes experience gets closer there's a kind of intimacy that begins to happen with experience that feels different when when I'm not uh, hooked by believing that there's something in, in the cup that's actually not there. Or I'm believing something is in the cup that is causing me suffering as a result of that. Around this teaching of emptiness and understanding empty in this way, I think there's a really important caveat to this as you play around with this. Play is the big word. And I want to share with you just a couple lines from a Leonard Cohen poem, which really clarifies this. He says, I know your burden's heavy as you wheel it through the night. The guru says it's empty, but that doesn't mean it's light. Right? I know your burden's heavy as you wheel it through the night. The guru says it's empty, but that doesn't mean it's light. This is super important to understand this. Like I think, uh, I hope I get this right. This might come from Tara Brock, which I appreciate. I think she says, sometimes the way to feel into difficult emotion is um, it's a real experience often with emotion, but it's not necessarily true. And I find that helpful. 
like I, I'm, I'm hurting. That's a real thing. Maybe not necessarily true how I'm perceiving all of it. Both are important though. I'm like, oh, this isn't true. Do you hear how there's a, a minimizing of my experience? Oh, it's just empty. And I haven't found minimizing to be really helpful on my spiritual path. <laughs> it might be at times. I mean, there's, sometimes there can be. I mean, in a little more honest, I mean, a little more uh, sincere way, a way that somebody says like, oh yeah, the mind is hooked and just fabricating. But a lot of times I need to, to slow down with the, this is so important around emotion. I need to slow down with the emotion and to feel that. Oh, I've been hurt, let's say. Let's use that one. So for example, maybe somebody says something to you and it hurts, ouch. And then we can have this thought, and this is more like this intellectual approach to, to emptiness of, oh, it's just empty. I should get over it, right? It's, so I'm just adding things into the cup. And I want to point out that this is not the approach I'm inviting you to explore. And one of the things I invite you to when you're playing around with this, one of the keys around this is when is it effective? Because you know that you're effectively using it when it feels like it's bringing some clarity or some relief. That's, it's, it's connected with this teaching of the suffering and the end of suffering. This is really important. Because really what's going on, the, 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 the way to understand, like when somebody says something to me and it hurts, and I do this thing of, oh, it's just empty, I need to get over it. What's complicating that whole dynamic is I've now filled the feeling of hurt. I, 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 I believe that what's in there that's causing, that's actually causing stress that really isn't there is this notion that I shouldn't be feeling this way. But actually the hurt, it, it's empty of that. That's something that I'm adding. That's the reactivity that I'm adding. And this gets to the heart of what often I'm filling up the cup with that actually isn't there, which is reactivity. This is what I wanna track. So it's so important to keep this real and practical rather than complicating it sometimes in a philosophical way. Because we'll get to this. In some ways, I'm filling it up with a sense of self. I should be a person who doesn't feel this. That person doesn't, there's, there's nobody there that, that doesn't feel that in there. I want there to be, I, for some reason, I think that the, it'd be better if the cup was filled with such a person, but that person doesn't, isn't there. It's not, it's, it's not real in that sense. Right? One is intellectualizing the teaching of emptiness and this other way is practically using it, playing with it in a way that I'm, I'm becoming malleable in how I'm perceiving experience in a way to, to allow myself to have a different relationship that releases the heart. 
one way to play with this is um, around this uh, kind of this phrase. I, I think it comes from Shinzen Young. He used to talk about it in terms of divide and conquer, and then which I appreciate he came away from some of this this warrior language. It's kind of a language actually that the Buddha used a lot coming from a warrior caste. But this sense of um, untangle and be free, I think is a phrase that he uses. And the idea, and I appreciate Shinzen uh, Young for pointing this out, that one of the Buddha's unique and powerful contributions is this way of dividing up experience in a way that it isn't as oppressive to us. Dividing up experience so that there can be a bit more freedom. So how I play with this is like, right, you're sitting in meditation, the mind gets lost, it gets pulled into that situation that you're so worried about or that you're so angry about. And what can be helpful is to pause, right? as I was saying, pause, and to notice what's there. Oh, worry is there. Oh, there's worry. Oh, and then there's sensations. I can feel the stirring in my stomach. Oh, there's sensations. There's an image. I can see the person or the situation I'm worried about. Oh, and there's some words that go with it. And when I can start to see the component parts of that experience, it's like there starts to be some space around it. It's not some kind of fixed thing that's hovering over me. It's this conglomeration that's kind of moving and increasing and decreasing and changing. And also, I can't find that I'm there. It's just experience unfolding. So doing this simple thing as the door person, just seeing like, it's like you're seeing the guest, but you want to see the component parts of the guest at times. Worry, oh, it's emotion, oh, here's sensation. Here's an image, here's some words. Oh, yep, there it is. And it's like, it's not even that the quote-unquote guest has to go away. But what I find is when I can start to see the quote-unquote component parts and how they undulate, it feels like I, I'm, I'm, I'm untangling from it, using the word that Shinzen uses. It's just experience unfolding. That's all it is. You might want to play with that at times. Noticing the component parts of an experience. Stepping out of the story, right? Because what happens is that congeals and then I get lost into the story that that's congealed in. But I'm, I'm seeing that it's not as solid as I thought it was. Oh, I, I thought there was solidity in, in, in the cup there. But it's interesting, it's, it's, it's empty of that. It's empty of all that solidity. It's just, it's just these component parts arising and passing away. So untangle and be free in this sense. And of course, we, we need the, the, the foundation of kindness and gentleness to just to see in this open, receptive way. And it's not about getting rid of, it's having more space around these. So again, not about getting rid of the stories or views, just seeing them for what they are these fabrications. So that's one way to play around with this. 
the component parts in terms of this. And you just need to be the door person just to see. And then another, there's another facet of emptiness. So I want to show you two bowls. And when I show you two bowls, don't get all like meditative on me. Like this is like really simple, like (laughs) just bring like a normal, normal, ordinary mind here. Nothing, nothing to like, uh, yeah. Okay. So we, can you see that I'm holding up two bowls? And I, all I want you to see is like, you can see them. This bowl is bigger than this bowl. This bowl is smaller than this bowl, right? This is often how we see bowls. And not only bowls, all kinds of things in experience. This is the larger one, this is a smaller one, right? But things change, right? Oh, I thought this was the bigger one. This is the, this is not the smaller one. This is the bigger one. Is this really a big bowl or is it a small bowl? Which one is it? Right? And the small bowl, maybe it's the big bowl. Is it is it small or big? And this is important because often we can uh, spend so much of our time navigating our lives around these things. I'm the small bull, but uh, it'd be so much better if I was like the big bull. I need to be bigger. <laughs> this is what we do, this, this comparing. And then we fixate, I'm a small bull. And it can go the other way. I'm a big bull. I should be a smaller bull. That's the problem. And this is what we do is we see all these small bulls and we want to be like the small bulls. <laughs> see the big bulls, we want to be like the big bulls. And there's a description of ourselves that's fixed. Me. Oh, this is who I am. This is who I am. And probably you know what happens from that, right? Suffering, stress. And there's something different about just seeing just this. It's just this. There's a, a word, suchness. The, it's a Pali word, but it, it, it gets a different meaning in the Sanskrit, tatata, suchness. Just as it is. And I think a simple way of understanding suchness is that it's, it's not in relation to this. It's, it's just as it is. to begin to taste just this, to taste the, uh, an experience that's unencumbered by the kind of the complicated constructions of the mind. Uh, 
just this, suchness. And some, sometimes there can be the, the, the wondrous inexplicable, inexplicability of this moment when I touch this. That quality we could say of suchness or that perception. Again, there can be a kind of intimacy with that. Why oh, I finally become intimate with this experience. Only, only when I'm quiet for a long time and do not speak, do the objects of my life draw near. Can you allow them to draw near? There's a great haiku by Santoka, actually a 20th century Zen Buddhist monk. The first line, just as it is, we could say just this. It rains, I get wet, I walk. Just as it is, just this. It rains, I get wet, I walk. Do you hear what's not there in the poem? That's what makes it so powerful. It's not the stories, or I wish I remembered my rain jacket, or what am I going to do about my soggy shoes, or am I going to make it there on time? Just this, it, it rains, I get wet, I walk. I can't believe I missed the taxi. <laughs> it's not there. This is the sense. So just as it is, this is, as I said, a, a Japanese Zen monk. Uh, the, the Japanese word is nyoze. So it's just uh, one word, nyoze. So uh, nyo is sometimes can be translated as thus or this. They add as it is. Or another way of seeing it is thus or this. And nothing other than this. Just this. There's some, you could say, entries into this kind of feeling sense, the felt sense, the, this way of perceiving of, of suchness. So here's, I just want to take you through just a, a couple things. Like what I invite you to do is to, I invite you to feel your hands, just to feel your hands. Just feel them. And as you're feeling them, 
you might want to notice are they might be a little bit cool or they might be warm. You might feel vibration. They might feel tight or loose. There might be a pulsation. And you might notice when you start to sense in a little bit closer, when you have the sense of only when I'm quiet and do not speak, that experience draws near right now. And you can get a sense of like, yeah, that word hand just doesn't fit, does it? Or hands. So much vaster than that word. And then it's even dropping these notions of cool or warm or tight or loose or vibration and just to feel. Just this. Nyoze. Suchness. So do you see, just in that example I just gave you, how simple this can be, and also there can be a stepping stone in this, is that sometimes it can be great to play around with starting with a concept and then using what I'd call smaller concepts. This is how labeling works, because it helps break up some of these larger kind of conceptual frameworks. But, it, but the, the smaller, the smaller uh, uh, kind of labels can help draw the experience near. And then dropping those. And you can do this around just around really any experience. You know, some examples of this would be, you know, around the breath or a thought or even an emotion. And the way of framing this practice I'm giving you could be utilizing this very famous Zen quote. And, and the Zen quote, I think that can be transformed into this practice that I'm showing you. It's a, it's a quote that comes from uh, Seigen Ishin, who was uh, a Zen master in the Tang dynasty. In the, uh, um, and uh, uh, let me read it to you. You're probably familiar with it. He says, before I studied Zen for 30 years, I saw mountains as mountains and waters as waters. When I arrived at a more intimate knowledge, I came to the point where I saw that mountains are not mountains and waters are not waters. But now that I've got to its very substance and I am at rest, for it's just that I see mountains once again as mountains and waters once again as waters. This can be a practice, just like you were doing with the hands. I always, I, I saw hands as hands <laughs> and feet as feet. And then, and then when I arrived at more intimate knowledge, I noticed like hands are not hands and feet are not feet. 
And yet also I take the next step and I'm fine living in a world with hands and feet. But it's a whole different world, isn't it? That second world of hands and feet, that second world of mountains and waters. And that's something to get a taste of. So like with the breath, sometimes it's great to, to start with, oh, I'm breathing. And then starting to break that down, oh, there's expansion, there's contraction. There's the in-breath, right? And then it stops and then the out-breath. Using these smaller concepts to help break it down, to start to get a taste, a refined taste of this is not breathing. I thought breathing was breathing, but breathing is not breathing. <laughs> and then to drop all of those labels and just to feel that. But I, I think the second step is really so important so that there's a so there's a, a clarity to the awareness and there's an intimacy that can come. And at the same time, to step back into the world. When you come to the practice discussion, it's fine to share with me about your experience of breathing. <laughs> right? It can be rather helpful for uh, a discussion. <laughs> and yet it can feel different because you know breathing is not breathing at the same time. You know is just this, suchness, nyoze. Or this can be helpful for something like you're feeling anxiety or fear or worry. Man, I am so worried. Oh, then to slow down with that. And it's using also a little bit of this kind of untangle and be free notion of Shinsen. Oh, okay. Fear, worry. Oh, interesting. It's, it's a, a conglomeration of sensations I'm feeling in my stomach. There's the stirring. <laughs> it's not worry, it's just, it's just like these sensations. Oh, and there's some thoughts, there's the image, there's the chattering about what I forgot to do before the retreat began. There it is. Oh yeah. Worry's not worry. And then I feel that level of it to start to untangle. And then also, yeah, worries worry. I actually need to respond to that email that I forgot about this afternoon. I actually do. I forgot about it. I just remembered this afternoon. But it's different when it's like, oh, can, now I can res respond to it eventually. But I don't have to be as tangled by the worry around it. You see how this sense of emptiness, it's, it's empty, right? It's, it's, it's empty of the, the, how I add things onto it, experience onto it, my concepts, my ideas. It's not there. Look, at it's empty. I promise I can turn it upside down. No water comes out. Oh, and it's so relieving to see that. Like, oh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just this conglomeration of things. 
and then it gives me space to navigate all of the the mugs in the world in a really different way and even the things that get heaped into them in a different way when you practice this a couple of caveats and i'll go over this tomorrow is um remember you have to be the researcher when is this approach effective and when it's not because both of those are going to reveal some nuance and refinement to this it might be a way that you're using emptiness where it feels like you're kind of bypassing experience or bypassing something where it's actually uh aggravating things emptiness can be used as a bypassing tool you know how you know more stress and suffering in your life <laughs> it's really easy <laughs> that's the that's the litmus test oh there's some relief here oh, okay then provisionally this is this is this is cool this is something that's effective as a tool and you don't have to play around with this all the time what i do is keep it simple just be the door person for most of the day or for most of your sits and then every so often play with this and then set it down because sometimes when there's something new we can uh, get all tangled around it and we can lose a kind of play and curiosity so just to play around and see where it fits and then when it stops fitting just to throw it away as far as that goes yeah So may our exploration of the empty nature of phenomena lead to the liberation of all beings. Thank you. Thank you for your attention.